The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Howdy ho, good neighbors. Oakley Doakley. That's that's plagiarism. Oakley Doakley. Uh, Home Improvement and Simpsons, please don't sue us. We're big fans of your shows. I like one of them. <laughs> What's wrong with Home Improvement? I like that you knew right away. That's great. That's great. Well, Wilson uh, is a treasure. I'll have you know. Uh, I mean, I don't mind Richard Carn because he was also the host of Family Feud. Uh, I just, I've never been a Tim Allen fan guy. Tim Allen, you do you. I'm a fan. Keep it up. <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there. Uh, Welcome, ladies we have and gentlemen. News. This is, we'll talk this about is news. The science of Pokemon. <laughs> uh, clearly, we are missing veteran Lucas tonight. Um, so, yay! It's the Collins and Don show again. Like that ter- usually turns out well. That means Lucas <laughs> isn't here to moderate us, and it's bad. <laughs> it's uh we need we need, and I know I know cameraman Chris uh, is trying, but we need to find a. Another friend to hang out with who can moderate us. Chris isn't here either. There no. no rules. No rules. Let's burn down the place. Just don't tell our parents. Okay, seeing as we didn't burn down the place, let's talk about some actual news. Um, science news. Uh, I wanted to talk about... Uh, we're having a lot of rollbacks on um, protections on, you know, we just saw a big rollback for the EPA protections for small waterways. And this concerns me because I live near a lot of waterways. Me too. <laughs> yeah, it, it really concerns me. The, the amount of uh, negligence we're giving to some of our most important resources. And I know, I know there are people here who don't want us to get too political, but like this, this is a health issue as far as I'm concerned. I mean, this impacts people's health. Also, if you look at it from another way too, like public waterways, they're everyone's waterways. Like this is, anyone listening, this is like kind of your, your land, your area, your property, whatever, like losing access or losing protection of them. It affects everyone. This is like, it's yours. Yeah. No, I, I full heartedly. I, I, I mean, that's a great way to put it that like, this is literally your water. It belongs to the public, you know, thus you have ownership on it and you should get a say in it. No. Yeah. Like the public lands and waterway system. It's honestly one of the, one of the greatest like triumphs of the American like land management system is that, all the open stuff like that, land and water, belongs to the people. And any loss, it really affects all of us. Well, and, and so the other thing is that um, there is the, the uh, it's been decriminalized uh, for large corporations that accidentally kill migratory birds. Well, yeah, dude, they had it coming. Look at them just migrating. Can't have that. So essentially, and, and again, you all know I'm an economics guy. I clearly am a business guy. But essentially what, what a lot of the fears are here is that a lot of larger companies will essentially claim like, you know, accidentally killing something when it's negligence, I guess. 
And yeah. yeah, I only believe in purposely killing something because it's delicious. Well, and and I think I think when when we remove oversight um, for protections for animals, you know, it, it, there are long term effects that we can't think about. And I I, I really. I, I talked about this the other day. Um, uh, we were talking about this in the Make Me Smart uh, area that that shows uh, group. We were talking about how like current policies really focus on short term growth and no no long term planning. And this both of these two things we mentioned, you know, there's no long term planning for ecosystems, which is upsetting to me because we are science lovers here. <laughs> yep. I mean, this is literally the reason why my six-year-old is super adamant that she wants to be in biology and work in conservation because she recognizes all the damage that's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, these are real things to like talk about. Anyways, uh, Pokemon news. Uh, today, this came out. Toxtricity is coming up in raids. The toxicity and I said, You know what? I always liked Hypnotize better. That's only like 60% accuracy though, right? <laughs> oh Here we were. We're making System of a Down I'm, and Pokemon I'm jokes. I'm, I'm sorry to everyone. This is great. This is great. Uh, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, uh, that's kind of cool. That was announced this morning. I'm excited for that. I, uh, I'm sad though because I really liked, I really like Toxtricity. I think it's cool. I think it's metal. But I think it's G Max move is worse than Butterfreeze. Yeah, yeah. But if 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 we think about the possibility that it might be a rotation and not an expansion, that might be cool. No, I just if someone makes it work, I I will love it. I'm respect sure someone you. will. I mean, my someone, thought is that this is like the anti, it's the anti flame orb. Yeah, but it's still guts boost. Yeah, but then you got poison. And toxic. It's not just normal poison. It's toxic. Maybe. What if it paralyzes? Oh, that's true, too. Yeah, well, and paraflinch is always a thing, too. Yeah, but, like, why not Pikachu? Oh, I don't just... Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Yeah. No, I know. Anyway, I, I, Toxtricity, though, it's Wicked Metal. I respect it. I want to try to... It's beautiful. I, if, if there's any way... Because, like, I, I, learned, I recently learned about marks in catching Pokemon... Um, and I would really like to get a G-Max Toxtricity, like the Thunderstruck, because that would be sick. But I don't know if that's a thing, because um, I have had no luck with it. So, well, we'll find you out. know? We'll find uh, out. I have no idea. Um, that said, also, this is the Pokemon of Year voting. You can go on Google, just search Pokemon uh, voting, and you can vote for your favorite Pokemon. Vote for Torkoal. Torkoal's the <laughs> best. Um, that said, though, speaking of Toxtricity and Raids, Don... Our network, did you know we are doing raid nights once a week now on Discord? I actually did not know this because I don't follow our own Discord enough. <laughs> well, um, our guest uh, who will be joining us later actually joined us last week on Discord in our in our raids. Uh, we got a bunch of GMAX stuff, actually. I think we ended up with two GMAX Lapras, which is pretty cool. I was recently in a shiny Pukumuku GMAX raid. Oh, and we fought one. We fought I, one this weekend, and we all hated it. I didn't catch it because it ran away. So Don't you I'm hate still... fighting Pukumuku, though? Like, isn't that's, that the why, worst? that's why I'm drinking tonight, because I'm sad. But anyways, for those of you who, who, who don't know, um, we are doing raid nights like literally every week. So this Saturday the 8th, um, I don't know if this will be out in time, uh, Friday, you know, the 14th, Thursday, the 20th, Tuesday, the 25th, free. 
You can come join us for free. Uh, there's a whole chunk of us doing this. We'll help you get stuff. We're also doing a Pictionary night, which I'm super excited for. We've worked out how it's going to work, um, where people get to come play. We're going to play Pokemon Pictionary on, on our Discord. <laughs> it's going to be great. Super great. And then we're doing a Curry Bake Off Challenge on the 28th. Sorry, Pictionary night's 22nd. Uh, on the 28th, we're doing a Curry Bake Off Challenge, which is going to be really cool, too, where like players are given a type of curry, and then whoever makes the highest rating curry like will win prizes, essentially. Um, and then on the 29th, we're doing uh, our network's going to start doing a monthly NAS Ask the Show night. And this month, Lucas is the guest. And I don't know if Don and Chris will be there. I'm going to try to stop in. I have a prior arrangement, but uh, it's going to be our show. On the I night. will do my best. Yeah, I know Lucas is excited, though. So seriously, if you got animal questions, show up. Ask him the most ridiculous animal questions. I will be so happy. With that said, let's go. We're going to talk to, we have an interview here uh, with a nice guy named uh, Jared. Okay, everyone. So we got a special treat for you today. Yes, it's a Professor Collins and a Fisherman Don episode, but that's not the treat. The treat is that we actually have a very special guest uh, and your name is Jared. And we're going to introduce Jared. Uh, What is it that you study in your field and explain what, what, why you are here. So I am a second year uh, student, master's student out of Washington State University. So what I work in is I work in weed science, uh, not the kind that you can smoke because I do live in Washington, but the kind, the invasive kind, the kind of plants that you'd actually try to kill. So I mean, you could, would, you could, you could smoke those too. It just wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't recommend right? it. No, it wouldn't do anything. It probably would not be very good for your system. Um, but I work in invasive uh, grasses, especially and perennial grasses in conservation and rangeland settings, looking at restoration practices and herbicides and seeing what we can use to control these grasses and then what actually our perennial native grasses will tolerate. I like that. I'm actually really interested in that. Okay, cool. So what, what like brought you into that? That's Yeah, so I got kind of brought into this field. So I'm a conservationist uh, first and foremost and working in conservation, kind of some of the studies I did, no one really focused on plants. And I really like plants due to like hiking and being out in the field a lot. And just, I love trees. Um, So, and going to botanical gardens as a kid. So what the thing is that no one focuses in restoration, especially on how to actually control uh, weeds. They kind of look into how to bring wildlife back in, but not talking about how you need to get rid of the things that aren't supposed to be there in the first place that caused something to go extinct. So that's kind of where I wanted to get into that kind of niche where something that's not very looked at so I can help in restoration bring either endangered species back into habitat that they can't live in. My, uh, my boomer neighbor is actually super into that to uh, our backyard is a hill. Uh, it's, it's kind of cool. Um, we share it. We share a yard that goes into, into uh, public park property and to the point where she removed all the weeds for several years and replanted a very ugly mustard plant that is native to our area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes the native, I work with native uh, bunch grasses and fescues, and they're not the prettiest looking things in the world. But no, that's, that's why we planted daffodils and lamb's ear. <laughs> but they won't cause as many issues, and you can get sage grouse and stuff like that back, and deer will actually live in your area. Maybe uh, we have, because you already have enough deer. Yeah. <laughs> Too many. <laughs> yep. Um, 
So I guess my next question, because uh, for those of us who don't understand the distinction, what is a plant? <laughs> so a plant, it's a multicellular organism. It's a living organism. So we think of trees, grasses, your ferns, your mosses. So they do not really move. They don't have locomotion. So they normally grow on a permanent site. They photosynthesize, except for some of them don't. We'll kind of talk about it later on with one of the Pokemon. Um, and they get all their nutrients normally through their roots that they grow on the ground. And they have chlorophyll that helps them photosynthesize. But not not all of them have roots then, right? No, not all of them have roots. We'll uh, talk about it uh, a little bit. They're not all of them need roots. To survive, they'll be par- you have your parasitic plants that kind of just live on vines or other plants, so they don't actually have roots. They kind of act like fungi in that instance. Okay. So um, by just tapping all the nutrients from there, but most plants have r- a root system. So then what, because it sounds like, I mean, we know that some plants are carnivorous, yeah. and apparently they all don't have roots. So then what really makes them different from an animal, I guess? So it makes some difference from an animal is, so first off with a plant, plants have uh, cell structures. So their cell structures inside of them are different. So they have cell walls while plants, while animals just have a cell um, membrane. The cell wall helps protect from water getting out because water, of course, is a huge uh, of importance to a plant. And then they have chloroplasts and vacuoles for photosynthesis. The chloroplasts. It's on that micro level that makes the big differences then. The micro level, and then also the fact that plants really don't move. They don't have locomotion, and they don't have – they have a rudimentary sensing, but we as complex organisms, we can move, and we have uh, complex senses. So we can actually sense our running. We have smell, touch, stuff like that. Plants don't really have that. Okay, fair enough. So Groot is not a plant. You heard it here. (laughs) (laughs) No, Groot is not a plant. He's a living being that can do whatever he wants. Um, so I guess I guess in the the the, the, the Reader's Digest version, because I'm looking at the notes we have, and there's a lot here. Yeah. Uh, but but like without without spending the next twenty minutes, how do they reproduce? Because that's kind of a big question I have. So plants they can reproduce in multiple ways. I talk about two of them. The there's asexual and sexual reproduction. So asexual is we find with vegetative reproduction. So one of our big um, invasives out here is uh, rush skeleton weed and they have rhizome. So it's actually just a part of the plant that gets detached from the parent plant and forms a new individual that's genetically identical to the parent. And we've talked about, we've talked about animals that do that before on the show too. So, okay. And then some of them do actually have sexual reproduction. Then. Yeah. So the weird thing is about, plants is they can do asexual and sexual reproduction they can some of them can do both some just do one or the other okay (laughs) Um, however they're feeling yeah so um in most plants they'll have the sexual reproduction will be the most prominent so a lot of your seed bearing plants they'll do seeds will be their very very big thing so is that like um, their preferred method then yeah it's a better way for them to be um distributed throughout the area because like and i can animal your goal is to adapt, survive, and reproduce. Um, that's what a plant's goal is, is to be able to reproduce and then just, just be able to distribute itself in far areas. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I guess then how do plants uh, get their energy? So plants get their energy through um, photosynthesis is the main way of doing it. So with photosynthesis, kind of the really basic way of doing it is 
they get carbon dioxide and water that comes off from respiration from um, animals or plants also respirate, so they get the energy that way. And then solar energy from the sun, they put all that um, energy into the, I'm going to go really deep, not really deep, but in the chloroplast, and they photosynthesize that energy and turn it into glucose and oxygen. And glucose, of course, gotcha. is their main um, energy molecule, and they move it up and down throughout the plant. And there's different ways of photosynthesis. Okay, okay. And and so what do they do then like like with the waste? Because they have to have waste, right? Yeah, so for them, the MIG waste is um, oxygen. They don't really need it. They're not like us. So we talk about oxygen as a waste product, and so is CO2. Whatever they don't end up using in photosynthesis or respiration, they have these stomates on the leaves and their pores, and they can let the gases out that way. <laughs> so oxygen is flower fart. Pretty much. Pretty much <laughs> everything else on this planet to survive, we need. We're all breathing flower fart. Got it. So, so how many different kinds of plants are there? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of variety then. Yeah, there's uh, millions upon millions of different plants, but um, we talk about like non-vascular plants, which would be like your mosses, your um, so your bryophytes, stuff like that. Your algaes are technically green algaes, a plant because it does photosynthesize. Um, then there's vascular plants, which are your ferns, your uh, lycophytes, pretty much anything like that. And then uh, anything else above that is also vascular. So your gymnosperms, your pines. And then, of course, your flowering plants are angiosperms. Okay, got it. So there's a lot of plants. And and so plants are are essentially found then everywhere then, correct? You can find um, there is two flowering plant species in Antarctica. They can survive in any climate. Interesting. And and now I know, I know, and this one wasn't on the list of questions. (laughs) I'm going to throw you for a loop here. But I've heard about... um, that as the permafrost is thawing, we are finding more plants that uh, haven't been around for a long time. Is, is there is there like excitement in the the botany world uh, around this? So I'm kind of a little bit disconnected from most of the botany world because I just get to do with my invasives and kind of focus on the most problematic things. And um, there is kind of an excitement though because the permafrost melting. There is now new species that we haven't seen in a while with that, but that also means we don't know what they're going to do with um, now if they could be invasive to our new areas now that our climate has changed so much. So there is kind of a good little of excitement to seeing what's actually going to be going on there. So essentially, we should be worried about the entire speech Jeff Goldblum gives in Jurassic Park. <laughs> yes, I can see that. They don't know where they're at. You know, they just... And interesting thing, because you kind of talked about climate, just to put it in there, is we've kind of sure. seen flowering times change. So plants are flowering earlier. And with the weather patterns that have been changing due to climate work, we've seen now, like, we have frost that'll wipe them out. Or um, plants are starting to flower or super early, and the pollinators aren't active. So we're starting to see issues in that respect as well. Well, I know we have that out here in Ohio where uh... – like it'll be like 70 for like two weeks in the end of February. <laughs> and then they'll start to like get going. And then all of a sudden we'll get like, boom, blizzard in March <laughs> Yep, and everything gets wiped out. <laughs> That's now been a big issues dealing with these new random weather pattern changes due to climate change. And there are, there are implications then for ecosystems as well then. Yes. 
because of course plants are kind of the basis they're the autotrophs of the system they're the basis of everything so if we lose all of our plants we're not going to survive cool well let's talk about some monsters because i think this is the area where don gets most excited <laughs> Okay, so I have to admit, like, this first one, I think Don really likes this first Pokemon. I only like that it is constantly eating James. <laughs> Victory Bell is pure, and I love him. <laughs> well, which one? Which one? He had two of them. <laughs> Wait, he had two Victory Bells? <laughs> yes! If you go I'm on a bad, Cerebi... I'm a, bad an- I'm a bad anime fan, apparently. No! No, I didn't know that either, though. But if you go on Serebii, apparently there's an episode where he releases one, and then he gets a different one two episodes later. Well, how about that? <laughs> um, we're all learning stuff today on yeah, the old um, podcast. <laughs> when I think of Victory Bell, though, I think of that terrible screech. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about that screech. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even going to do it right now, because that would be rude to our listeners. Um... No, but, you know, I also think about um, the, uh, what's it called? The the Adventures manga, where, like, they, like, warn him, like, hey, they actually eat people, kid. <laughs> well, I remember, okay, I do remember back, way back in the day when young Don, and I have them all in my binding in my room still to this day, I collected all 150 OG Pokemon cards. Remember they had the little, like, Pokedex entries on there, talk about how, like, people would go exploring in the jungles for Victory Bell, and they would disappear. Yes. Because the like, well, like, clearly like he eats people. It's, yes, it's not it's it's not small. No, he's he's large. Yeah, I was say I think he's like six feet. He's like six feet, five foot seven, but he only weighs thirty four yes. pounds. So I'm actually oh. less afraid of him now, or maybe wait, more. Wait, wait, wait. So does that make him less dense than Waylord? <laughs> no, Waylord's way, 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 way. I mean, if you think about, it, he'd be mostly hollow. So thirty four pounds isn't that weird. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So he is based on on uh, on pitcher plants. Uh, what can you tell us about them? Where are they found? So pitcher plants, they're found in the old and new world. So in the old world, so Asia, Africa, and then in the new world, of course, North America, South America. Uh, North America itself has trumpet pitcher plants, and we have about eight oh. to eleven species, all from the same genus. So my uh, my roommate, who has a whole bunch, his are mainly of the Nepenthes. Is that a specific region, or is that like the overall family? Because he talks about his various Nepenthes a lot. If I remember correctly, that might be the entire family. Because I remember the genus in North America is Silenci. I'm really bad with genus names and bad with pitcher plants in general. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I Googled it. I think that's like the, the overall uh, genre. The overall family? Genus, yeah. Is okay. Nepenthes, yeah. I know he, um, he gets a lot of his from some weird website um that has like pictures of the plant in the jungle with a guy holding a note card next to it and it seems yeah. really sketchy well it is don actually i was gonna I, I i that is something i can talk about actually there's a there, there was a whole like 30 minute planet money episode about it and it drew me down a rabbit hole <laughs> yeah so nepenthes um, i just looked it up is the um it's the old world our uh, family is that uh, family and then the Starency is the new um, new or North America South America. Uh, okay. So the ones your your friend has done, um, there is a large black market for 
for carnivorous plants actually, and it's actually causing uh, ecosystem collapse. For I'll have to ask him about the validity of his sources then of getting them. Well, like like in America, the, the ones that come from like the uh, the Venus flytraps, for instance, which um, they are actually their natural habitat is being destroyed because of the black market. Uh, people wanting to buy them and keep. Well, them. I'll have to let him know that. Like, like they're literally being being like like taken out taken out at that high of a rate. Yeah. No, so yeah, that's a shame because they're a really cool plant, and that was gonna segue are. beautifully to Jared to talk about his. Plants. Yeah, Jared, why are they cool? <laughs> so these plants are super cool because they are carnivorous. So we talk about how plants normally get their energy; they make it through photosynthesis. So these plants can also photosynthesize, which is where they get their main sources of energy. However, these the pitcher plants don't actually get nitrogen from the soil; they live in very nitrogen poor soil. So to get their nitrogen uh, sources, they they're there preying using nectar and have pitfall traps and they eat insects and that's how they get their nitrogen. Isn't there one that is the, the largest thing? It's the Penthes Raja eats, can eat rats. Ew, ew. Yeah, they can eat mice. The, the largest ones can eat mice oh. and rats. I really kind of want to get a big one. I think my roommate might kill me, but I'd love to get a big one. So if we ever have a mouse problem. I know from, according to my, my, my pitcher plant enthusiast roommate that they are wicked expensive. Um, and he, this, yes, this is from a guy that's like, so they've put him off from getting him. This is from a guy, we have a greenhouse in our backyard and we live in Florida. He runs an air conditioner unit to it in the summer so that his plants are not uncomfortable because it gets too hot for their ideal range. And even <laughs> for him, I guess Nepenthes Raja was too expensive. So I'm not sure how much they go nothing, for, but I think it's a lot. Nothing says capitalism America more than I run a fan in my greenhouse in the summer. <laughs> To keep my to keep, alive. to keep my exotic plants from China. I'll, alive, to, I'll yeah. have to take some pictures of them and we can post them on the Facebook page because it is a nice setup. <laughs> and they're really awesome. pretty. Uh, yeah, please do. Uh, we'll share them to Twitter too. Uh, so, uh, like, so their adaptation you said essentially helps them get the nitrogen that they otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. So they live in a lot of the carnivorous plants and um, across the world just don't have. They live in really bad soil, so they don't get nitrogen. So. Your carnivorous plant, their main job is just to lure prey in so they can get their nitrogen. Fair enough. Um, let's move on, though. We are spending a lot of time on pitchered plants, and I know you love them, Don. But I, I do want to ask about this guy because Lila hates this guy. We're going to bring up Ferrothorn. Spiky oh, boy. Yeah, no. now how do you pronounce how do you pronounce these? So, um, the, oh, the name of the actual species? Okay, never mind. I'll shut up. Yes. Yeah, not not fair. Well, I was saying I have a friend of mine who's like does the pokey cat. He does like um commentary for events, and they have, there's an official pronunciation list from Nintendo. So however they pronounce stuff on uh the like the commentary for main events, those are the official pronunciations. So people get mad that they say what do they fer- say Ferrothorn? Ferrothorn. Ferrothorn. Yes, that but stupid. that's the official pronunciation from Nintendo. They get like a list of all the stuff I've been told. So oh. that's so how you're supposed. To, I prefer Ferrothorn because I mean, it's better. But that's Nintendo just, has changed the pronunciation of their Pokemon in their own anime, so I don't really. I mean, yeah. Well, whatever. That's just how it'd be. I don't know. Well, anyway, uh, it's ever. spiky, right. and I hate so, it too. So Lila's got good taste. Yep. So these are uh, durian uh, trees. Um, fruits is what Ferrothorn is based off of. Off of the. It's a fruit. Yes, it's a fruit. It's the one that smells terrible. Yes, so 
Um, it's native to Borneo and Sumatra, but the, one of the biggest things is its strong owner. So if you're um, Alfred Wallace from Britain, he said it smelled pleasant like caramel. If you're like most people, that sells it smells like sewage and a bunch of other nasty things. So it's oh, pretty- that's this thing. Oh, yeah. it's actually been banned in public places and even hotels. Um, you can't bring oh. it in because it's such a strong smell that people uh, start okay, gagging. And don't like it. So wait, why does it smell so bad? Like, what, how is this an adaptation for a plant? So it's an adaptation for a plant because with plants, their goal is to be um, dispersed. They want to reproduce and then buy seeds and then be dispersed in far areas. Since it's a tree, you don't want to be dispersing and just falling right to the ground, having your seed go there and then having another tree right next to you. That's a resource issue. You won't have. Because the apple actually wants to fall far from the tree. Yeah, the apple actually wants to fall fall from the tree, Uh which is why it looks, um, why apples look amazing, why animals eat them. With this, its adaptation with the odor is it lures animals in, large animals, to help disperse its seeds by pooping it out, um, and then it'll grow because it has now has nitrogen, has will have water and resources, and it'll be able to grow. The thorns help prevent smaller animals such as like mice and other things like that because they won't go very far. They like to stay in a very small area, so they won't. The thorns protect them, protect the fruit from being dispersed by smaller animals. Interesting, interesting. So it helps them travel a larger distance, actually. Yes. Okay. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And one of my favorite things about it, it is called the king of fruit. It is massive. It is absolutely large and is one of the largest fruits you can get. Like, are we talking like like one piece fruit size? Like, one piece of fruit is massive in of itself. I think I've seen them before. They're they're big. They're called the king of fruit for a reason. They don't give you, like, stretchy powers? No, unfortunately. <laughs> Okay, so speaking of Pokemon that like to bite James, <laughs> this next one also bites James. <laughs> Poor guy, man! Like his, he's like the nicest trainer. <laughs> but yeah, he really is. But also, like he has sick taste in grass types. Can I say that? Because I like all the grass type. I don't. The grass isn't my favorite type, but all of James' grass types are ones I really respect. So, shout out to James. <laughs> So we're talking about Carnivine, <laughs> that that derpy sounding. Hey, he was on my he was on my team in my first playthrough of Gen Four. I think he yeah. was from. He's Gen Four. Yeah. yeah. Also, you grass type with levitate, swamp. pretty dope. Really? Yeah, he has levitate. No, but like, how's that like helpful at all? It's neat. Okay. <laughs> okay. And because and also in Pokemon Go. He's yet another exclusive that Florida gets because we have the most exclusives. Everyone else can deal with it. I didn't it. get. Uh, I don't know if I got one when I was there with Lucas at Disney. I've, I've got like thirty. I'll trade you one. All so right. there's a reason with uh, why Florida would get Carnivine because of where their these plants are actually found. Oh, yes. so where are they found? So these plants are found in subtropical wetlands. So normally North Carolina and South Carolina. So close enough to Florida. Um, okay. Yeah, our only kind of risk plant in Florida is the sundew. Yeah. And, yep, yeah, and, well, the Venus flytrap is related to the sundew. It's its closest relative. So, Bam. Segwayed again. Look at that. Um, so, so, But these guys are from, like, the Carolinas, though, right? Yes, they are from the Carolinas. Because that's where I was talking about. These are the ones that, like, their habitats are being decimated by black market trade. Like, yes. that I know. 
Yep. So it's like a huge industry. Yeah, so they used to the big and massive, and then they actually put it in the Endangered Species Act to protect yes. it. And like a lot of endangered species, like wood turtles and stuff like that, um, no one, they don't care. Don't buy them at Home Depot unless you know what you're doing. Don't do it. Don't support it. I mean, again, I guess we're getting too political, but I mean, as a science person, I feel like that we should talk about the impacts policies have on science. Like this impacts this particular plant when we change its protections. And it's only endemic in those two states. It's the only place you can find it. Now we have it in like botanical gardens. You can find it all across the country. There's there's some up in Pennsylvania. But we want it to be in its natural habitat too, though. Oh, yeah. Now, so what's special about them? Explain how this works. So like the pitcher plants, they are carnivorous plants, but in a different method. So inside of a Venus flytrap, there are these really, really tiny hairs. They're trigger hairs. So anytime an insect or an arachnid walks into the pitcher plant into its mouth, its two leaves form a mouth, which is why carnivine looks that way. The trap, if it hits one of the trigger hairs, the trap, um, it starts to be sprung. However, for the trap to actually be sprung and the whole entire jaw to close, it needs another hair to be triggered in about 20 seconds. Because what that does is it means it's probably a large prey. That means it can actually, it's going to be worth the energy to actually capture it. Now, now you say that, and I've I've heard um, that it is really bad for these things if you fake them, like you put your finger there or something, or like you know you rub like a stick there because the amount of energy it takes for them to close, if there's not food there, like it can it can kill them essentially. Yes. So the fact of the matter is, these plants can close their mouths in a tenth of a second. So think about kids. It's a, that's a lot of energy to get something that big to to, to close that fast. Yeah, carnivine should be like base one thirty. Change my mind. <laughs> fast carnivine. Work on it, game freak. Um, and then the cool thing is, like with carnivine, you can kind of see with its mouth it has these really long cilia. Yes. These really long um, on the end. So that the reason is so that large prey don't actually escape. It's um, if smaller prey get out, that's fine because that's not worth the energy to actually try to digest it and close the jaw, but they really just don't want the large prey to escape. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, and again, these are like the other ones. They develop this trait because of the low nitrogen. Yes. So they live in a wetland and wetlands are really bad with nitrogen. They don't have great nitrogen. So they prey on insects and arachnids for their nitrogen. Okay. And the cool thing about them is they know when it's a living stimuli and a non-living stimuli. So if a raindrop hits its jaw, it won't notice, it won't close its jaw. If something living hits it, it will close its jaw if it triggers two hairs. Yeah, it's the two, it's the two hairs that's like the thing, right? Because I've heard that like if one hair is tripped, it doesn't um, trigger the plant. Yeah, it needs both hairs in about 20 seconds. They've done a lot of studies into it. So it needs two hairs in 20 seconds to actually be triggered. Interesting. Very, very, very interesting. I mean, that, that essentially is the difference between wasted energy and, and actually getting the energy you need. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually going to skip the next one on our list because I can see we are taking very long, which is great. We're loving this discussion. I really am. This is I'm having a great time, um, but it's I don't about it. So, I mean, that might that might mean we'll have to bring it back another time putting it out there i'm all for that anytime um but i do want to get to the one that i know you were most excited about so we're going to talk about 
the thing that I hated as a kid because they are itchy. <laughs> We're going to talk about Obama, Obama snow. I almost said Obama snow. That didn't make sense. Yeah. Obama <laughs> snow. Yes. OG snow hail mountain. I like him. He is a part of my hail team. He and has he earth power now, which is actually yeah, awesome. And it makes me very, very happy. So I do live in the great state of Washington now. So talking about what Obama snow is based off of kind of fits with where I live now because they're evergreens. Yes. So so um, first off, Obama snow, for those of you who don't know, clearly his name is based off Abominable Snowman. Yes. Um, but like legitimately, when I think of this Pokemon, um, all I think of is in uh, Gen 7. Do you remember in, in, when like, what was it the the mammoth swine helped you get to the Obama snow and there was like that whole like scene where you had to like go because they were upset because of like Teen Flare. It was, yes, um, it was the Snover was um. I remember there was that, but I also remember there was an episode with a Snover that got very sick. I think that was Gen Six, right? Because yeah. Seven was Alola. Oh, yep, six. So six. six. Sorry, uh, six. Flare. Six. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I know. Right. It took it took me a minute to remember. Yeah, and I didn't watch. I didn't watch X and Y anime. I mean, I was third. I wasn't thirty yet, but you're I was so old. old. I was old. I yeah, I wasn't watching. You're so old. <laughs> I'm not that old yet. Oh, I just feel like it. Wait, wait. How old is Lucas? Uh I think he's like a year, year two. No, two years younger than me. I think he's like my wife. Oh, I'm the youngest. I am the youngest. Look at me. I'm the youngest person there is. Um, uh, well, I'm probably younger than you, Don. Maybe. You may, probably are. How old are you? 24. All right. Okay, I'm 20. I'm going to say no one, no one yeah. should disclose their information on the internet because that's how your uh, identity gets stolen. It's been disclosed. Steal it. You will find nothing. All right. <laughs> Anyways, so evergreens, up, evergreens, where are they found? For those for those people who don't live in the north like I do. So they normally are found in northern latitudes where it's colder. They're a big part of like the taiga forest, but also they can be found around the equator. There are small pockets there and some in the southern climates. But wait, they're wait, normally wait. found by the north. equator? Yes, there are apparently pine evergreens by the equator. I mean there's like I have a bunch of family in Georgia and they have a whole lot of pine tree farms. What? So like yeah. I get that. Really? Yeah. I yeah. always thought of them as like a northern phenomena because of the, the needles. Yep. So yeah, there's that, at least yeah. three different species of pine trees in Florida. There's pines all through North Carolina and South Carolina. They're um, longleaf pines. Okay, well, explain them. So, like, what what's special about them? So, the cool thing about uh, evergreens is it's in their name. It's evergreen. So, their leaves, their needles are green all year round, which means if there is sufficient sunlight, they can photosynthesize at any time during the year. So, they can actually survive those colder climates. With also having thicker bark, they can have their needles are very waxy, which is why a lot of people get itchy from them. Yes, that can reduce water loss, and they have their pines are very densely collected together, so they create warmth for them. Okay, okay. Now, so like I know something I know about them is like their their the pine cones are their seed dispersal. Yes, and that that they. Uh... They're very hard to get into. Yes. <laughs> like, so, because we, we grew up, we have a lot of them up in Northern Ohio. Um, mm-hmm. So I said, that's all I think of is my grandpa, my grandparents had in their front yard uh, before he passed, uh, there was a, mm-hmm. it was huge, but like, you know, like, we, you know, you could, you could go underneath and play as a kid, but man, was that thing itchy. Oh yeah. There are, they are not, 
the best things to have because they are itchy. I play disc golf and we play on where near pine trees and dude, stuck. I play disc golf too. What up? Nice. So getting stuck underneath a pine tree is not fun. Oh. Yeah, um, for us it's palm. We have an issue with palms here because Florida, but I understand the struggle. <laughs> All right. Well, so and what else do pine cones have? A few other protections that they do. They do then, right? Yeah. So pine cones, their main big purpose is protecting the seeds in the winter time. Uh, since these plants are normally found in northern latitudes, they have really really harsh winters. So the pine cones themselves actually protect the seeds. The seeds are buried deep into the pine cone, so it helps protect them during the winter time. Got it. So, so the pine cones actually like are there for, for seed dispersal and ensuring that they can survive a longer period of time. Yep. Okay. Um, cool. I mean, I, I feel like we learned to get to learn some cool things. Um, yeah, seriously. I did not know that they were, they were in other places besides like North and Southern latitudes where it was cold. I figured they were. Just... Oh, we got a whole pile of them here. We got loblolly slash and longleaf pines in Florida. Wow. Yep. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, so, uh, Mr. Mr. Jared, then if, if anyone, uh, is there anywhere as you continue your, your research? And I know we were talking about your thesis earlier before we started, if anyone wanted to find out more things about that you are studying or anything that you wanted to share with our listeners that you think that they should be keeping up on. Uh, so I helped just publish a paper actually in, oh, congrats. Um, in innovations and plant management i'm the fourth author i did a lot of the data work go buy it right paper. now everyone <laughs> the, the management of vetnata if you look up those three words you'll find it and you can find my uh you'll find jared and my last name which is impossibly hard to spell and pronounce okay. will be on there so um you'll see it there um but if not there hopefully i'm in the works of publishing a couple papers hopefully coming up soon i'm going to start writing them um soon now that I got all the data analyzed, I can actually start working on it. So those will be coming out soon. Well, cool. Thank you so very much for coming and joining us. That was a, that was a good time. I I can honestly say I learned things that I didn't expect to learn tonight. Oh. Thank you guys for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Let me know if you guys have any more plant questions. I am more than happy to answer I'm them. I'm sure we will because I genuinely think want, want to do a whole episode on cacti. <laughs> I... So every year I look at Maractus and I want it to be good. And every year I'm sad. <laughs> I just bought a shiny Maractus today. So. It has the dude. It has the cleanest looking. Sh- I really like shiny Maractus. The purple eyes are so good looking on it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. Yep. Really? What's it look like, dude? I think. Sh- oh, look. Google, oh, wait, Google it right now, Matt. It looks weird. good. I yeah. think it looks good. Why did they change the eye color? Because Game Freak. Okay. Hey, it gets after you, and it has chlorophyll, so that's good enough for me because it's with the best boy. After you and chlorophyll, my good you son. son. All right. On that note, thank you guys. Thank you all. I'm not gonna lie. I am am not the person who's like fascinated by plants. You know that scene in Harry Potter 4 where like Neville's telling Harry about all those plants? He's Yo, like, dude, I, Neville, I, I, I like Neville. I do, too. Neville's my favorite character. But that scene where Harry's like, Neville, I don't care. But the, the Harry Potter plants are so neato. I just, I've never been a plant guy. Um, I've been learning about them, though. Uh, the, the Dungeons & Dragons campaign I'm running at my school for the after-school program for my fourth graders. 
they interacted with a wizard who had a magical greenhouse, and the entire campaign is now shifted to helping him. <laughs> so I've had to learn a lot about plants the past few weeks. Because <laughs> they, they want to help him find magical plants instead of the other campaign hooks. Because <laughs> even with 10-year-olds, D&D is like herding cats. D&D with any age is like herding cats. I ran one campaign one time, and I made it... Actually, I don't know if I told you about this. I made it secretly Pokemon, and I got away with it for, like, three sessions. <laughs> and then I was describing these monsters that came out of a cave, and I was talking about how they were, like, long and, like, like spindly, like, limbed with a, like, spiked body and scythe-like arms. And then, like, all of a sudden, one guy in my group went, Kabutops? And then I was like... Yes. <laughs> and then, then, like, he paused and he went, last week, did a drill almost kill me? And I was like, yeah. And um, then they realized that I had been having them doing a Pokemon campaign this entire time. Because it was, like, Professor, um, I'm blanking on the name, but I used this entire, the scientific name for the live oak. And so it was, like, Professor, like, Macquarius or whatever the live oak name is. I got away with it for three sessions of D and D. So great, dude! That's the greatest. Because it was like they tried to fight the professor, and he summoned this giant sea monster. On like, then they all of a sudden were like, "Oh my god, that was a Gyarados!" And I was like, "It was." <laughs> okay. Oh, see the better discussions we have while we are off the rails without Lucas. See these; these are great. Stuck at Lucas. <laughs> I love you, Lucas. Just kidding. I love you. We, you're great. We both and love you, you. You're finally coming to events with me, so that means a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, legitimately, though, we met Jared in our Discord. And I know it's the network's Discord, but it's our Discord, too. I mean, we're all sharing it. Um, and we're doing community events and stuff. He he happened to just show up there one day, and him and I started talking. And he was like, I study plants. And I was like, no way. Let's talk more. That's cool. So... I know there are a few of you who follow us on Twitter. I've reached out to a couple of you who also are in the sciences. Um, yeah, if you're studying something in the sciences, social sciences, culture, folklore, reach out to us. We would love to talk to you. We're looking to expand uh, the way we do some of our shows and try some new things because, you know, we, we are enjoying some of these interviews because we're learning new things that we otherwise wouldn't get to learn. So, legit, though, please come join us. I'm telling you, these raid nights are fun, and picture night's going to be cool. Uh, I'm really curious to see how curry night works out, but I'm excited either way. <laughs> I just want an actual curry now. I'm really hungry. Okay, on that note, goodbye, everyone, and have a good day. Adios. Adios.